Hey, good morning. You're listening to Breakfast Bites, and I'm Felicia King. On today's show, I'm going to be trying to consolidate a Q&A kind of paradigm analysis around the topic of PSAs, uh, IT documentation platforms. I've already touched on all of the password manager paradigm things in other podcasts, and I am increasingly getting more questions from people regarding uh, PSAs and ERPs and project management platforms and whatnot. So I just don't have enough time in my life to be able to answer everybody's questions in forums and such. So whenever I get a, you know, I get enough people asking me the same question and I just get fatigued about, you know, retyping out answers for them again, that is when I do a podcast on that topic. So that is what this particular podcast is about. So here's the here's the lowdown on the situation. Many uh, IT service providers out there utilize things called PSAs. These are professional services administration tools. Now, they, uh, they think that a PSA is a good thing because it is supposed to be tailor-made to the IT services industry. You will find oftentimes where like an internal IT department may use something like Jira. Uh, and you can do ticketing in there and you can do some project management and stuff in there. Um, maybe they're using Trello. Uh, you know, you're going to see some other organizations that are, again, not IT service providers using something like Monday.com. And so when you get to this realm of where the PSA, where you have a paradigm where your PSA is supposed to be your business management software, uh, that paradigm is failing, and I'll get into that in a moment. Internal IT departments have very different requirements. Right? They have these, you know, they need a ticketing system. They need a project management system. Yes, their project management system requirements are really not quite as sophisticated as what as uh, an IT service provider would have or what they would need. Most of the time... Uh, an internal IT department is not going to need some sort of, you know, multi-tier, multi-tenant thing. It's they're not going to have it, not going to need to have that project management or ticketing system integrated with a CRM uh, or a billing platform or a time entry platform uh, that flows through into accounting systems and, and whatnot. So, Ooh, a few years ago, I was really looking into this whole topic of like, well, gee, you know, like maybe I should get a PSA um, because I had really resisted that for years because of all of the money that people put into PSAs and how dissatisfied they are with them. I've used multiple PSAs in the past and then kept walking away from them because they were really frustrating with regards to the total cost of ownership. And, you know, now there's new PSAs like Halo and with a very significant, very high price tag. Of course, there's ConnectWise Manage, uh, you know, the, the ConnectWise um, suite of PSA components. And that is also quite expensive, not just in acquisition cost, but also in customization cost and optimization cost. And I continue to encounter people who are utilizing 
a variety of you know different PSAs, and ultimately they keep bolting more and more and more on. Like you know they've got ConnectWise as their PSA, and then they got to have Zomentum, and then they're using Lifecycle Insights, you know, and then they've got Envarosoft or Cloud Radial, you know. I mean they're like bolting on. Oh, you know, of course they're paying for QuickBooks or they're paying for Zero. You know, then they're paying for a separate project management platform like, you know, teamwork because the project system inside of ConnectWise they're not pleased with. You know, I talked to a gentleman from C-Level at one point in time, and he said in their consulting program, you were expected to have ConnectWise with six different bolt-ons, including BrightGage and you know like vcio toolbox and there was all and each one of these things was 350 to 400 dollars a month so six to eight bolt-ons plus your cost for ConnectWise, and each one of i mean like i've literally talked to people who have this setup and i've asked them have you actually done the math on how much this is costing you and a hundred percent of the time they tell me no I think they just don't want to know how much that costs. And so there's this enormous total cost of ownership, not just the fees that you're paying on an annual basis for that kind of a paradigm. But in addition to that, there's they live and breathe the word integration and the need for integrations drives their technology acquisition. Like, I'm only going to look at solutions that do X that have integrations with ConnectWise. If it doesn't have an integration with ConnectWise, we can't use it. Okay. So because of, I'm going to call it dead horse business tactics, uh, they're not challenging their paradigm and saying, hmm, at what point in time are we spending so much money on some PSA, whether it's ConnectWise or Autotask, I don't care what you're using, plus all of these other bolt-ons. And in some cases, the cost for just the accounting package, I mean, have you seen the prices for QuickBooks nowadays? I mean, that's like 50% of the cost of an ERP annually. So like your expenses just for QuickBooks could be 50% of the cost of an ERP for your whole team for a year. <laughs> That's just QuickBooks. So my point here is, let's actually talk about paradigms here. When I was going down this whole road, I kept thinking about, you know, what are we really doing here? Do we need ticketing? Sure. Um, do we need project management? Yeah. What kind of project management do we need? Is waterfall good enough? Is, is Agile really what we want to use? Well, I would argue you, you actually probably really want to be able to toggle between. You want to be able to choose one or the other. There are certain projects that are more suitable to Waterfall. There are some projects that are more suitable to Agile. And you ultimately need to have all of that into a consolidated backlog to be able to share with your clientele in order to engage in planning. And there's still this obsession that a lot of people have with regards to printing out um, and sharing with their clientele 
you know, the volume of tickets just to show them, hey, you know, like you paid us this monthly fee and we did all these tickets for you. And had we billed you hourly, you would have been paying more. This is the value of your managed services. And, you know, we did all this stuff for you um, on this flat monthly fee. And, you know, the client doesn't really care, right? Well, they're just, they're just seeing a report. So from my perspective, what an IT service provider really needs is yes, they need an effective ticketing system, but they also need a highly sophisticated project management platform that's really going to allow you to do planning with backlog because there is not an efficient PSA project management tool out there. Most of the PSAs, like, well, frankly, I'll just be blunt. I can't find a single PSA that even PSA experts say has adequately sophisticated project management functionality in the PSA. Okay. So that's the consensus amongst the PSA experts that are out there. Nobody's satisfied with the project management functionality on the inside of a PSA that's on the market. Yet, if you're going to engage in planning with your client, you need to be able to put your backlog of projects in there and engage in a monthly prioritization discussion. If you're doing that in a different tool like, oh, VCIO toolbox, what's the total cost of ownership of that? Because you're not just going to take something out of VCIO, you know, it's like, let's go manually manage a bunch of stuff in VCIO toolbox and make it all pretty scores, charts, and graphs. But wait, then we're going to actually execute the project. Now we've got to manually take that over into something, I don't know, tickets or the neutered project management platform. And the whole thing just turned me off. Then if you have a PSA that doesn't have a project management platform in it that adequately has functionality for you, well, then you're using something external. Are you using Jira, Trello, you know, maybe something like teamwork, although I don't really, I'm not impressed with teamwork at all. And ultimately, that isn't helping you put time entries and detail right on the project, whereby that detail pulls directly through into your accounting system, your time entries, and then your accounting system and flows through onto invoices. There's no integration for that. I've talked to a bunch of PSA experts. They all tell me the same thing. They're like, no, that ain't happening. You're never getting those time entries over into, you know, some other separate accounting system. And then, I mean, I look at like Halo PSA. It doesn't even have an accounting platform in it. Now you got to bolt on some other accounting solution. You know, ConnectWise doesn't have accounting in it. You got to bolt on something else. Does it air quote integrate? I am not impressed by integrations at all that all that they're doing is doing general journal entries. I mean, like if you use Autotask, you need Autotask to be your accounting system. Oh, but wait, it's not really an accounting system. You still have to bolt on QuickBooks. So this is my challenge with these paradigms of the PSAs. I can't, I can't understand why anybody would use it. I mean, you, you look at the math on it and you have to jack around 
messing around a whole bunch of time wasted dealing and money uh, dealing with paying for all these tools and then all of the integrations and the integrations are never all that clean. And they can also have some pretty nasty side effects. Like I read about a gentleman who integrated uh, his, it was either Lion Guard or something else. It was something like Lion Guard. I think it was Lion Guard. He, he integrated it with, well, anyways, he integrated something with, um, actually, I think it was, uh, I think it was IT Glue he integrated it with. And anyways, the point is, is that because of the integration, because the data wasn't all in the same system, because at the integration level, it was doing a data synchronization. In that data synchronization, one system was assumed to be more authoritative than the other system. And uh, effectively what happened is that the customer contact data all got eaten. It got eaten. So the data in their PSA and the data in their documentation platform um, for their customers, it basically got eaten by the data that came from the customer engagement portal. So the customer engagement portal in the integration was deemed to be more authoritative. So anyways, it ate the data that really should have been authoritative, which was you know, their, um, their PSA and their documentation platform at that point in time. So, I mean, how many hours does it take every week to manage these integrations? And what kind of quality control steps do you have to have in order to verify that these reconciliations of, you know, it's still doing what it's supposed to be doing, but that's all working. So I just rejected that, you know, that whole paradigm and said, wow, really take a step back. And what are the requirements here? Right. What are the requirements? Well, here's what I want to have as a requirement. I want to have it such that staff can impact can do time entries on projects and they could be waterfall style projects. They could be agile style projects. They could uh, be doing time entries on the ticketing platform. And these could be R&D based. They could be internal based. They could be billable to a client. They could be on a flat rate service contract, right? So the work objects, whether it's a ticket or whether it is a project, these must have a direct correlation to a contract in the system. And the contract, let's just say you're working based upon retainer, the contract needs to have capabilities to where as those time entries are entered into the system that the technician is able to see uh, how much is left in that contract. So if you bid a project for 30 hours, what mechanism are you utilizing with automation to help the engineer know that they're on track or off track, you know, on goal, off goal, whatever it is. Uh, if you have a situation that is, we only work on retainer and these are retainer contracts then how does your engineer, you know, how do the engineers, how do the technicians know that there's still time available to be able to use? Or, well, wait, what if it's flat rate stuff? How are you calculating margin? This all needs to be, so my point is, is that your objects need to be tied 
So the, the, the objects that they do time entries against need to be tied to contracts. They also need to be tied to your products and services catalog. And all of this needs to be fully integrated. Can't be running around in, in different systems. And it can't be, you can't be trying to do data handoffs. Okay, I've been a QuickBooks certified advisor since 2003. And I do a ton of stuff in QuickBooks, quite a significant expert in it. And I've never seen a QuickBooks integration with a non-Intuit product be clean. Never. Never. Most of the time, it's atrocious from the purview of a person who has significant accounting and finance experience. Um, those integrations create transactions which are very unclean from an accounting perspective. And they're frequently done just with wild hand-waving general journal entries. They lack the details. And then you have to go dig off into another platform. I'll give you a great example of this is if you use an Avalara integration, you look at your invoices in QuickBooks and you can't even see the sales tax rate. It won't even be displayed. So you'll have a line item in there that says sales tax, but it will not show you the rate. So when, let's just say you were going through an audit and you decided, oh, I don't want to pay for Avalara anymore because it's so expensive. Well, you can't fulfill your audit anymore because that data doesn't reside in your accounting system because of a horrid integration. Um, there are other challenges there too with that integration where you had to do that mapping between the, the types of products and services and the sales tax rates and all that. And that just frankly should all be in the accounting platform. You shouldn't need to have a separate integration for that. And it's not a clean integration because integrations between accounting systems and something else are just, I mean, I've just never seen one that's clean that, that is coming from a different service provider. Uh, on the other hand, you look at like Intuit Payroll, and uh, while I am not a fan of their payroll service, it does integrate well, and it is accurate. So that's kind of an interesting observation saying, hmm, so can I find a software solution that meets all of my feature needs? And you're never going to find something that meets all your feature needs, but that doesn't mean you need to go get five different products or six, eight, 10 different products to have a business solution. What it means is you need to pick a platform that has most of what you need and then has the capability for you to build upon that with low code, no code modifications by business process people, not software developers, but by business process people. Find a platform that will allow them to make their own little low-code, no-code apps to be able to do various things that facilitate and support your business processes, that additional scalable add-on functionality. And I think one of the other things that really irritates me is, you know, there's all of this love for QuickBooks, yet QuickBooks is really not good for financial reporting. It's very basic. You can't do any sort of sophisticated reports in there, such as uh, ratio analysis calculations that are highly custom. 
you know, it can't do what crystal reports can do. And if you're trying to create a financial management business process, then you need really advanced reporting, meaning, okay, we either need to just be able to run a report anytime that we want and bango, there's your data, or you need to have digital dashboards, which is why you see so many people going and getting bright gauge. Oh, okay, let's pay another $300 a month for a bright gauge subscription. Or they start doing stuff in Power BI. Yep, okay, now I got to go hire a Power BI developer and then I've got to have these data integrations and I got to use Power BI to do that. You know, yeah, there we are. We're back in in the software developer space again instead of the low code, no code model. And also, you know, separate disconnected systems. And it's like, well, you know, I don't know, get Zapier, right? Have Zapier move your data around. How many things are you going to pay for? How much integration are you going to manage? Now, let's also talk about counterparty risk. Can you run the platform on-premise? I know you may say, well, I don't want to run it on-premise. I want, some, I want to hire somebody else to manage that. Okay, what is your exit strategy? Because if your exit strategy is something like with Autotask, oh, well, with Autotask, they'll, get, they'll get, make it so that we can have a download of our database. Okay, into what? You can never run Autotask on-premise. I mean, I certainly understand the thought process behind all of these people that have got ConnectWise running on-premise that, especially if they've got, you know, if they've got the perpetual licensing, that that's super fabulous, right? I mean, that's a system that they can continue to keep running. And the only way it goes away is if they stop maintaining that server. If you needed to basically have that server continue to function because you needed to run it parallel while you were running a new system. Yep, you could do that. And the only thing it's going to cost you is the electricity to run that machine. Yes, of course, you have to maintain it a little bit, but it's not like, you know, it, it's it, it's not the same as paying another $15,000 a year to uh, pay for another software as a service subscription that you're not using because you've decided to go to a different platform. So before you go and adopt something, a technology, you always need to be asking, what is my exit strategy? What is my data sovereignty strategy? The concept that says, oh, sure, we can, we, we have data sovereignty. We can get our data out. Uh, we can get our data out in a CSV file. That doesn't really work for me. <laughs> that, that, doesn't, that doesn't really work for me. Like, that's not really your data i mean like if you don't have the application anymore you got a problem so what that means is you need to have either the adoption of a system that can run as SaaS when you want to run it as SaaS, but that you can also run it on premise when you want to run it on premise and if you wanted to run it on premise it isn't going to cost you an arm and a leg in order to run it on premise because you uh you know, because you're not having to pay another like $15,000 a year, you know, rental fee for it, even though you're hosting it on-premise, that type of thing, right? Your run costs for running it on-premise are very low. So interestingly, there are a few ERP packages, which are enterprise resource planning tools, and that you should look into. And shockingly, uh, many of them are like $45 a month per user. 
And you may say, oh, well, hey, what about, you know, Microsoft Dynamics Online? Have you looked at the pricing for, for Dynamics M365? And then, I, I don't know, are you going to throw $50,000 or more at a Dynamics consultant to help you build that whole thing up? I mean, I mean, it's holy kittens. You know, I mean, it's, <clears throat> it's an enormous amount of money that you're going to put into Dynamics 365. And then, gee, we go back to the whole realm of what's your exit strategy. Well, there isn't one. You're never getting off of that. So you better make sure that you're fully comfortable increasing the structural cost of doing business by adopting that. Okay, if you're comfortable with that and you're comfortable with the fact that you're never getting your data out of that, you're not migrating off of it, not without a lot of pain. Okay, fine, go ahead and get Dynamics 365. But the structural cost of that thing is pretty high. You got to have a lot of ROI that you're going to get for that to be able to justify that cost. So back in the realm of financial reality, what are your small-scale ERPs that you could actually maintain full access to your functionality and data even if you went down to a single licensed user? Ooh, that's an interesting requirement. That's an interesting business continuity plan there. Right. Let's just imagine we roll back the clock to March 2020. We got these organizations who had a downturn in the uh, economic demand for the services that they provided, and yet they didn't want to lose what they had done in terms of an investment. Now, what does that do to your structural cost of doing business? If you had 15 employees before and you needed to go down to three, were you still needing to pay for the structural software? the structural cost of doing business for the software for 15 users when you could have scaled down to three? Well, some people were. And in fact, quite a significant per, you know, chunk of businesses went out of business because they had too high structurally increased their, the floor, their cost of doing business, and they couldn't go down below. Right? If you get yourself into some sort of you know, $700 a month fee for something and you can't get below that, you know, you can't flex down because let's say 15 users is the floor, uh, <coughs> halo, uh, then, you know, are you comfortable making that decision, right? You got to ask this question. I mean, if your company is uh, 250 people, fine, right? Okay, are we always going to be 50, at least 15 people? Yes, probably. But that's not the majority of organizations out there. You know, the majority of organizations are 10 or less users. So, you know, these sorts of questions at the small scale are super important to be very thoughtful about. So back to our data flows, right? I want it that you have your CRM, marketing automation, invoicing, document signing, quoting, sales lead funnel tracking, contract management, dashboarding, analytics, people management, time entries, PTO management, project management, uh, customer interfacing, you know, showing them their stuff and ticketing. I want it all in one system. And if the PSA is supposed to be 
the business tool, the business engine tool for an IT service provider, there aren't any PSAs that meet that requirement. None of them. It's always get this PSA and then bolt on a bunch of things onto it to spackle over the deficiencies. And I love it when I ask some PSA vendor about something and then they're like, oh, but we've got all these integrations. And I'm like, so what? What's the total cost of ownership of that? Because I can't pay for ConnectWise plus, you know, and Halo or Halo or Autotask and then, you know, seven or eight other bolt-ons all at $350 to $400 per month. I mean, the structural cost of that is just ridiculous. It's just absolutely ridiculous. And then again, all of the labor, because labor is not cheap to do that. I, to this point in time, I still have not encountered anyone who's actually done the real total cost of ownership math on their PSA plus bolt-ons plus burden rate in terms of payroll to manage that beastly scenario. It's like the data that they want to avert their eyes away from. Like, we just, you know, don't want to look at that scary monster in the closet over there. (laughs) So here's the thing. There are ERPs on the market, not Salesforce, that are not financial unobtainium. Okay, so they are suitable for SMB. They are possible to be implemented by business process people with reasonable levels of technical skills. You do not have to hire software developers to monkey around with it. So you can do stuff with low-code, no-code methods. Well, let's talk about some. Let's talk about two specifically. One is Zoho One and the other one is Odoo. So O-D-O-O and then Zoho is Z-O-H-O, Zoho One. Zoho is a company that owns, uh, they also own Manage Engine. They have a lot of premise products. They have software as a service. You can get each one of the Zoho products individually or you can get them as a subscription in Zoho One. And uh, on its face, it's very cost-effective and it looks very complete. The problem with Zoho One is that the paradigm is all of their products are designed such that they can run individually, meaning there's not a single consolidated backend database, meaning, oh, you're going to have a heck of a problem trying to get data to flow properly. You know, I personally spent months trying to get data to flow properly and couldn't ever make it work. And there's a point in time where you just have to stop engaging in dead horse business tactics and, you know, look at it as a sunk cost and move on. Now, is it all bad? No, but I'm saying you need to look at it and clearly define your requirements. You know, maybe you only want to use the recruiting tool. You know, maybe you only want to use the CRM plus marketing automation. I don't know, right? Maybe maybe that's how you want to run it. If your paradigm with Zoho One is that you're really, you know, you don't need that level of sophisticated integration that I was talking about, then you could be possibly okay with it. But after three months and multiple people, Um, spending quite a lot of payroll time trying to get it to work, attending training sessions and working with onboarding people and working with tech support and all that. No, the data doesn't flow. 
Uh, in fact, there was a support ticket where a baseline integration for the data flow that was supposed to work just seamlessly with, you know, button clicks. Well, no, actually the developers at the software devs back at Zoho needed to go into the back end and, you know, make some magic happen. I don't even know what they did. <laughs> so that's not cool. I have a problem with that. Well, let's talk about Odoo instead. Really, same price range, you know, same vicinity of price range. The interface is not as cool and as sexy as Zoho One, but does it have mo mobile apps? Yep. And here's the fun bit with Odoo, you have a single backend database, meaning that you're not going to struggle with the data flows. And Odoo's got a really nice model where you can pick a single product or a single, I should say, a single module, and they'll let you have it for forever for free, that one single module. And their pricing is, again, for the whole suite of the ERP, so you don't have to, like, buy all these add-ons. It's just, nope, here's this, you know, monthly fee. And you could buy it for just one user. That's your floor, one user. So, right, scalability is there. Now, what about migrate, you know, mi migration? And what about data sovereignty? Things like that. And yes, they have a low-code, no-code platform. So, uh, you can run it as SaaS in their, in their cloud, and they can take care of it for you. Or you can run your own Odoo server. You know, public cloud hosted, private cloud hosted, wherever the heck you'd like to have it. Ultimately, so you can have data sovereignty if you want. They do have partners. I also like the fact that Odoo is very clear that if you have less than 50 employees, you probably should just use support packs from them when you need it. And that's only when you need it and if you even need that help. Otherwise, they've got a lot of structured learning out there. And what I mean structured is it's highly curated. It's like, all right, you want to learn about the accounting module, then go take this training. And it's, you know, very sequential, right? It's a, it's a curated learning pathway. And I can tell you that uh, my team was able to get data to flow in Odoo in like two days compared to Data is still not flowing after, you know, three months in Zoho One. So, you know, you do the math on that, right? But the main piece I'm trying to convey to you here is that you really need, before you're selecting any sort of a platform for anything, I don't care if you're just looking at marketing automation platforms. Don't go out on the internet and do a search for top-rated CRMs or top-rated marketing automation platforms. No, no, literally you need to start from your business process requirements. And the more I've thought about this, and I've been thinking about this particular topic for a really long time, and the more I've thought about it, I've come to the conclusion that there's not a single PSA that's worth having, that an ERP is the only thing you should be investing your time into then it simply becomes a question of which ERP are you going to use? And if you do a lot of heavy project management, then you need 
an ERP that's going to facilitate that. Right? You've got to define your product requirements and your business process requirements. Nobody else is going to do that. You need to do that. It's no different than if you're picking out an EPDR product or what is supposed to be in your stack for the cybersecurity kill chain. Whatever. It's the same, it's the same darn thing. You know, I I really hate these arguments of people gesticulating back and forth about like, you know, Sentinel One versus Huntress versus Sock Soder versus Webroot versus Bitdefender versus blah, 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 blah. whatever. I don't care. The correct answer is did you list out what is the cybersecurity kill chain and how you are addressing the full stack ingress and egress at all of the risk points in a defense in depth approach, inclusive of secure configuration management, right? Inclusive of that, not just like, let me buy a bunch of things and slap it together. It's ridiculous. I continue to see people who are doing things like they'll get Sentinel one and then you know, they say, well, Sentinel One doesn't have application whitelisting, so we got to have Threat Locker. And then, well, we feel like we need an enhanced MDR, so we're going to throw Huntress on there as well. And then, wait, um, you know, is that the sock that we want to use? I don't know, right? Like, I mean, so they got all this stupid stuff bolted on, and I just really feel like the majority of the time, nobody's actually sat down and done a full stack documentation in accordance with cybersecurity kill chain. There's entirely too much reliance upon some Gartner or Forrester report that says, oh, this is the, the top rated what the what. And for those of you that have been in the industry for a period of time, you realize that those report analyses are not, they're not useless, but they're not comprehensive. You should never look at them as comprehensive. The, those types of reports are really only a data point for consideration when you're first starting out. And there are products that are out there that will never appear in a Gartner or Forrester report because those companies don't pay Gartner or Forrester. Uh, they're... Oh, here's a good one. I had a conversation with a, a, a business executive recently who <laughs> we were talking about um, Salesforce. And I was describing this whole typical process of, you know, product selection. And he was, and after I described it to him, he's like, you know, that's exactly the process that I used when I was picking out Salesforce. And he says, now I totally now understand the right way to do it because you've explained to me the right way to do it. And he says, you know, if I had it all to do over again, I wouldn't have picked Salesforce. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, you probably wouldn't have selected Salesforce. You know, so he had gone out and done this search of, you know, top CRMs, top rated whatnot. You know, you're doing all of this Google searching for trying to uh, get the hive mind of information by searching the internet for the thoughts of others. And those of us that have been in this industry for a really long time, the thing we realize is that the stuff that has the lowest total cost of ownership in a lot of cases 
is going to have no marketing. So it's got the lowest total cost of ownership because the pricing for the product, because it's oftentimes based upon uh, um, a different paradigm. And I'm going to say a different paradigm of perhaps a paradigm where they run their own private cloud. They're not running on AWS or they're not running on Azure. So they don't have those fees because that's certainly what Zoho does. Zoho owns their own data centers. So Zoho does not have the cost profile of layering on top of AWS and Azure, right? So that helps them be able to maintain better pricing and lower cost uh, in terms of product acquisition. That, you know, these are your subscription fees that you're paying. They're lower because their costs are lower. The, you know, in the other area is uh, things that, have like a community edition or they have uh, an open source baseline. Great example of that, Modic and Sweet CRM. Modic and Sweet CRM are both enterprise grade marketing automation and CRM. Now, you know, obviously Sweet CRM is the CRM component. Obviously, Modic is the marketing automation platform. Now, these things are free. They're not free from a labor perspective to set up. But the software is free and you can host it where you want or you can find a hosting provider to help you out with it. You, know, you can do any of those sorts of things. And um, But is anybody doing any advertising for Modic or Sweet CRM? If you go out and you do some research, you know, you do some internet searching, do you find that? Nope. <laughs> nope. You're going to have to dig real hard and a real far distance to find information on Modic and Sweet CRM. Because there's no vendor hawking it. So when you're looking at something like, oh, I'm going to get uh, an ERP that has a low structural cost and has the ability for me to run it on premise, you know, rather than something that's only ever forever going to be a, a subscription only product, well, you got Odoo. And you do internet searching. Do you find out about Odoo? Nope. Why is that? They don't have any marketing department. I mean, if they do, I don't know who the heck they are. Maybe, was it one person? <laughs> is it the person who manages the website? You know, but that means you're also not paying for some outrageous marketing budget. You know, and a lot of people go to these, these IT conferences and they're looking for ideas about the new vendors to engage, what are the new products out there, right? All this. Well, the reality sandwich says that that's just, those are just organizations who are spending a lot of money on marketing. And when an organization spends a ton of money on marketing, they're going to have to charge you more money for their products and services in order to overcome their costs of going to trade shows. So I would argue that you're best off to actually find the organizations, the find the products, buy the organizations that don't go to trade shows. So I don't go to trade shows. <laughs> I don't see the point. There's, I mean, I find more value from, um, you know, online forums talking to uh, other people in the industry 
but it, that's only fruitful to the degree that they actually have very high level skills and they've done that work and they've uh, they're able to speak contextually you know talking about like oh the what the what it sucks no it's like help us understand what you were doing what was your paradigm what did you try contextually you know what's the floor what is the ceiling Uh, what is it a good fit for what is it not a good fit for right what are the boundaries because you can't just blanket go across the board and say that some product is always trash you know i mean that just is typically not that's not typically real all right so this is the uh, little summary of what I've been talking about here, which is that if you're thinking about a PSA plus something else, or if you're thinking about a project management platform integrated with your other tools, whatever, maybe it's Hoodoo, uh, maybe it's IT Glue. Um, let's let's kind of circle this back and, and wrap it up with business process documentation. Look at your entire process workflow and determine what how the data needs to flow and how that data needs to flow very 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 accurately in my opinion i don't want an integration between a document management platform and a project management platform but i do want a project management platform to allow for the use of templates, to allow for agile methodology, to allow for uh, engagement with the client and for people to put their time entries and project updates right there on the project and have that reported properly, have that in analytic KPI dashboards for burndown rate, for example. And to allow for uh, rapid prioritization and reorganization of the backlog. And then all of that data that's there, it needs to flow through to the customer record, to the contracts, to the accounting system, onto invoices, and rinse and repeat. So I think that focusing on an idea that says I have to have an integration between my project management platform and my business process or my my documentation platform, I don't think that's a real requirement. Because if your documentate if your document process, your document management system says this is our process, well, all, what you've got there is you have a process. Now, if you want to actually turn that into a project template, oh, that's fine. That's easy peasy. That is a one-time piece of effort. Yes, if you modify that process, you're going to have to go in and modify the, the project template. whoopee do. It's a giant nothing burger. On the other hand, if you're fixated on project integrates with document management platform, your eyes are off the prize where your eyes need to be, okay, how am I utilizing my project management platform to share with my clients what their project backlog is, what the burndown rate is, 
what's our status of all of the open projects for them? Can I um, put them into a planner type thing? No, I don't want a separate planner system. No, I don't want VCIO toolbox. Let's not be ridiculous here, right? The project management platform needs to be sophisticated enough to do this itself or it is insufficient. You know, look at your business. Is your business just a ticketing business or is your business heavy project or is it 50-50? Whatever, you got to sit down and do your set of requirements. But I would really encourage you to look at business processes, define your requirements and not do it from a myopic perspective. And I can't see how a PSA can do all of that as cost-effectively as sustainably with the flooring capabilities of a of an ERP like Odoo. I just can't see it. And you know, I don't know, maybe you're smarter than me. Maybe you can get Zoho One to work for you properly. Go for it, right? You need to figure out what your requirements are and, and how you want to implement and, and so forth. I mean, I think that uh, Zoho One is very attractive in many ways. I just think that the burden rate is entirely too high and the ROI is very difficult to get. So, you know, that's my, my wisdom with that. Whereas with Odoo, getting data to flow, well, you don't have to get data to flow. And the reason you don't have to is because all the modules are using the same backend database because it was designed from the very beginning that all of that data, that it was, a, it was an ERP. Here's our modules in the ERP, but, you know, fundamentally it's an ERP. Whereas with Zoho One, those modules were all designed to be able to run in their own silos. Okay, that's it for now. And uh, I hope that uh, that answers all of the questions that were out there about uh, ERP and PSA paradigms. And uh, feel free to comment and let me know if you have any other questions.